glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. In 1877, um, a missionary called, uh, his name was Sheldon Jackson. Maybe some of you have heard, he was a Presbyterian minister. Did a lot of, uh, he did a lot of uh, church planting in the, in the Midwest, actually Colorado even. And uh, He went to Alaska in 1877 and he began the first mission work in uh, southeast Alaska, Sitka and uh, Fort Wrangell and places like that. And uh, as, the, as Alaska began to open up for outside, as, as a, the America uh, had purchased uh, Alaska, missionaries started coming to Alaska, and they decided to uh, actually divide Alaska into different segments at the time as far as missionary work. They took, uh, they, they divided in about 11 different denominations, and so you have a myriad of different denominations back then that went to these different parts of Alaska. And so <clears throat> when you go there today, you still uh, see remnants of that. Um, a lot of the villages that we are going to be in are Catholic uh, or Russian Orthodox. Um, you know, you all know Israel Warren, the village he's in, St. Mary's. It's a Catholic, uh, a lot of Catholic history there, Russian Orthodox. Um, so it, it's it's a it's an interesting dynamic, um, but it's good to know when you when you start ministering to the people there what they've encountered in the past. And um, but I was talking to, to to pastor this afternoon. A lot of those. Um, a lot of those churches are kind of losing a grip on the on the people. There's been some things that have happened over the last years, and they they've been, uh, for instance, the Catholic Church will have a priest maybe come in twice a year, um, and and maybe hold a mass or something like that. So the people are are hungry for something. Um, they're hungry for the truth. Number one, they've been given a lot of things, a lot of different uh, teachings, and they're very confused and uh, very slow to accept you in because of that. Um, a little bit shy of, 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 of letting you in. But we've seen some great results. I know Brother Israel Warren, he's out there in the Yukon. Uh, they've, been, they've been there long enough now to start seeing some of that fruit, some of that fruit for the, the, the labor that they've put in. And uh, it takes, uh, anybody, anybody wants to, to see if you're true and, and if you're going to, um, before they open up to you. And that's how it is out there. And uh, so pray for us. We'll be uh, working initially with the, the veteran missionary there in Unicleet and in that surrounding area. There's two villages I'd like you to pray specifically about, and those are uh, Stebbins and St. Michael's. Those are two villages uh, just south of Unicleet. They're right on the coast there, and um, they do not have any any gospel preaching work in those two villages. And that's those are the two villages the Lord has specifically put on my heart to reach into. And um, And there's a lot of... A lot of suicides, young, 10, 12, 13, 14-year-olds, suicides that have come out of that village. And uh, we've just been praying that, you know, the Lord allow those young people some more time until we can get out there and, uh, and give an opportunity to tr- trust in the Lord and give, him, and give them hope. Um, we need hope. Anybody needs hope. Um, but when you put somebody, when you have somebody in a, in a village out there, they're disconnected from road system, and they there's there's a lot of darkness in the winter. There, there's another level of depression that goes on. And the young people, we've talked to several young people out there that 
that I, you know, I've, I'll probably never see anything other than this village. And that's, that's the cycle they're in. They see their parents um, in the drugs and alcohol addictions, and it's just a cycle. It's just, and they, they get caught in that life cycle. And uh, so pray that we can pray that we can pull some of them out of that and uh, give them some hope. And uh, the the church in Unoclet, I believe, is going to be a, a huge part of that ministry. We'll be able to. It's a it's a larger village. It's it's a hub village, which means many people fly in and out of Unoclet to get to their village. Um, so it's a great opportunity to have a, a, a good solid church in that village. We can bring people in for uh, addiction programs. We can bring them in to train them, uh, and disciple them. And um, so pray for that ministry. Some of the pictures you'll see downstairs, you'll see some building projects. That's that village, you know, Clay, where, where, where we've been involved with helping with that building project. Uh, they got the foundation done. And uh, last year, nothing happened. So pray that the materials, the price of materials will spiral down <laughs> as fast as they went up. Uh, I know you all have dealt with that here, too. Um, it is severely costly already to get materials out there with shipping costs because they could barge everything up the coast from Seattle or Anchorage. And so you were already looking at a, an astronomical amount for shipping. Um, but now you've got the price of materials and shipping. So pray that pray that, that building project can go forward. Um, um, when you're in a place where you only get several months of warm weather, the rest of the winter is very cold. You appreciate a building <laughs> with good heat. And so uh, so it's a blessing that they could get the property. Um, you don't always get that opportunity in a native village to buy property. And uh, so pray for that. Um, again, in the back, if you have any questions afterwards, I'd be glad to uh, answer anything I can um, about what our ministry is, what we're going to be doing. We've Over the last few years, we've been doing furlough support. Uh, we filled in for Brother Warren uh, in 2019 and also in Unicleate as they were on furlough. And um, so we're excited to get back into the ministry full-time uh, in those villages. And uh, All right, well, let's take our Bibles tonight as we open the Word of God to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Appreciate the water. I get dry very quickly. But Luke chapter 8, I want to challenge you tonight on a message... Um, Really, I can call it several things, but in in this message, my goal is to help you see God's providence in bearing fruit. God's providence in bearing fruit. And along with that, as we get into the main points, the things that take us away from bearing fruit as a Christian. All right, and we'll see that here in Luke chapter 8. Uh, more than likely, everyone here has has studied, has has read this parable here in Luke chapter 8, the parable of the sower and the ground, um, the different conditions of the ground that the seed fell into. Uh, so I'm not going to go through the whole parable, but I do want to, uh, I want us to look at the two verses here, 14 and 15 is, is the two verses that we'll be primarily looking at. Uh, so let's go ahead and read those and then we'll open in prayer tonight. Luke chapter 8 verse 14. And that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. And then look in verse 15. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Let's go ahead and pray. 
Father, we thank you for this opportunity tonight. Lord, thank you for this church family. Thank you for the uh, faithfulness here. And uh, Lord, to see a light, um, a light in a dark world, Lord. Um, we thank you for their faithfulness. We pray you encourage them, strengthen them to go on. And Lord, I pray that tonight this message would be an encouragement and uh, a help. I pray, Lord, that you would touch each one of our hearts. Lord, and you know each one of our hearts, Lord, and what we're at, where we're at in life, what we're dealing with. Father, I pray it would be a help. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we've all, we've all had <coughs> experiences with growing things. And we've, you've grown vegetables. You've grown maybe a fruit tree. The Christian's life is about perfecting spiritual fruit in us. God perfects spiritual fruit in the Christian to glorify him. Um, that is, that is, we, we, if you looked in John chapter 15, you would see that Jesus said, he is, God is glorified when you bear much fruit. God is glorified when you bear much fruit. And you think of that, what is our purpose on this earth? It's to glorify God. So this matter, this matter of, of bearing spiritual fruit, I believe is very important, very, uh, very critical subject that we need to consider the question is, are we, are we letting God perfect spiritual fruit in our life? Here in our text, we see, uh, we see that there was the ground that the seed fell in, and it said also that there was thorns that came up, um, thorns that came up with, with that seed, with that plant, and it choked it. Um, and we'll get, we'll get to that in a moment. But I believe those, those three things that you see in verse 14, we call them the three choking hazards of the Christian the three choking hazards of the Christians, and we'll look into those in a moment. But by way of introduction, I want you to think of this. The Christian life is about perfecting spiritual fruit. So <clears throat> where are you at? Where, what, what, what part of this uh, process are you at? Are you allowing God to perfect that fruit? You know, nobody likes to eat, at least I don't, I don't like to eat a green banana. Does anybody like green bananas here? All right. I just don't like that. That, that gritty feeling in your teeth. And, uh, but we would all agree that there is a specific time that a fruit is ripened. Um, there's a time when the fruit is ready to eat. And you can't, you can't force that uh, timing. That is the timing that God has set up in nature. Of, of, uh, you have to wait for the harvest. Amen. We, man has still not been able to manufacture an orange or an apple. Um, it is it is God's ordained uh, uh, creation that is still at work today, and it takes time. It takes nutrients. Um, but I'll use this example. I've used this example many times. When I was a young man, young person, I was probably actually my my son's way, about seven, six, seven years old. Uh, we were living at. I was born in Alaska, but we lived in Ohio for a short time. And we, had, we were on this farm, kind of like you are, brother, renting a farmhouse. And there was a short pear tree in the yard. Now, as children, I had two older brothers, two older sisters, and we would go out to that pear tree uh, and see if there was any fruit on that pear tree. And it was just the small one, so we weren't expecting a lot of fruit. Uh, but we were excited one year to finally see one pear starting to grow on that tree. And uh, we would go out there almost every day. We'd go out there as, as all of us together. We'd go see if that fruit was ripened. And uh, pretty soon that, you know, that pear was getting larger and larger. And we were excited for the day. We were going to go pick that pear, and we were going to eat it. And so, so the day came. 
the pear was ripe. We went out there to pick it. And um, as we were going to pick the fruit, our dog ran up behind us, saw the excitement, and jumped up and grabbed the pear and ran off with it and destroyed the fruit. Uh, destroyed the fruit that we'd been waiting for. Um, and But I'm afraid many times in the Christian's life, that's what happens when God comes to get the fruit that he has been perfecting. And he finds it destroyed. Or he finds it... He finds, he finds us using it for our own glory. Have you ever taken something that God intended and used it for your own glory? Uh, I'm sure we've all been guilty of that. God perfects the spiritual fruit, but many times we destroy it or we use it for other means than what God intended. Um, don't pick the fruit before it's ripe. God has a specific season, a specific time for that fruit to be used. James, we know James chapter 1 talks about um, patience. We don't like the word patience in our lives many times because patience uh, takes time. It takes time. We have to be patient. Um, let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. We, I believe there's two things that we can see in, in bearing fruit. This, is, this could go for you know agriculture, but also spiritual fruit. It takes time and nutrients to bear fruit. Time and nutrients. Uh, and I think we can see that clearly in verse 15. If you look back in Luke chapter 8, verse 15, look here, it says, but that on the good ground, I believe that good ground there could represent the nutrients. Because it's in the good ground where the, the vegetables or whatever it is can grow. It's hard to grow something in bad ground. You need, you need ground that is, has the nutrients that can support that tree or that vegetable. And then also it says, And they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit. With what? Patience. There's that word patience again. That patience there is the time. To bear fruit in our lives, it takes patience. It takes time. And it takes nutrients. The, the, the patience is on our part. Um, we, we have to wait on the Lord. And I want, I want to use an Old Testament example of this. Look in Genesis, if you would, Genesis chapter 41, then we'll come back here and get into these three choking hazards of the Christian. But look in Genesis chapter 41. I think you would all agree that Joseph in the Old Testament is a good example of somebody that was patient and God was able to use him to, to, for his glory. God had a specific purpose for Joseph's life, did he not? He had, a, he had a plan for his life. God has a plan for our lives, does he not? Um, he has a plan for each one of us. And so here in, in, uh, in, in, in chapter 41, Luke chapter 41, and we'll look in verse 46. Um, Genesis 41, 46. And it says... And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. So we, here we see Joseph when he's 30 years old. Now, anybody 30 year, years old tonight? Uh, I just turned 30 back in November. And, um, and it, it's been an awakening in my life. <laughs> no. But 30 years, 30 years old. Joseph is standing before Pharaoh, 30 years old. And 
what we see here is uh, what God has been doing all along to bring Joseph. I think we can all agree that Joseph standing before Pharaoh was what God wanted all along. That was what God had for Joseph to, to one day stand before Pharaoh and be able to be used to save many people from the famine. But what did it take Joseph to get to that place? What did it take? Look in verse uh, verse 50, Genesis 41, verse 50. You know, it take, I was telling the, the children this morning, using Joseph as an example, you know, many times God used hardships to get you where he needs you. Um, Joseph had to be taken from, he had to be torn out of his father's house to one day be able to stand before Pharaoh and see God's fruit perfected in his life. You know, what is it in your life that God has been doing? Maybe a hardship that you say, I don't, I don't, know, what, I don't know what God's doing. Well, maybe God's perfecting a fruit. Uh, now, God does chastise us, and he, he uses different means to get us back on track, if that's the case. But Joseph was not, he was not going through chastising. He was going through God's perfecting, that pruning. If you look in John chapter 15, the pruning of the vine that, that God many times does in our lives. But look, in, look in verse 40, uh, what did I say, verse 40, uh, 41, chapter 41, verse 50. We see Joseph naming his two sons. And this is very crucial, I believe, to understanding Joseph's thoughts here because Joseph named his two sons uh, in accordance to what, um, what, what he saw God doing in his life. It says, And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bare unto him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. What does that mean? For God said, he hath made me forget all my toil in all my father's house. Verse 52, and the name of the second called he Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Joseph said, Lord, you give me two sons. I'm going to name them Manasseh and Ephraim. Manasseh meaning causing to forget, causing to forget. And then Ephraim meaning double fruit. You know, for all that toil, Joseph said, uh, you know, Joseph said, God has caused me to forget all that toil in my father's house. Um, has, that, has God ever brought you a Manasseh? Has he, ever, uh, has he ever given you a Manasseh that's, you know, he said, you know, I know I took you through all these hard times. I knew I, I, I know this was a hard time for you but I was doing this. This is the fruit that I've been trying to perfect in your life. Um, and, he, and Joseph said, the Lord has caused me to forget that. And then Ephraim, double fruit. You know, there is double fruit if you're patient. There's double fruit when you're patient on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Imagine if Joseph would have given up on the Lord. Um, you know, you see, you read the story of Joseph, and he was, he was literally in prison one moment, and probably in a matter of less than an hour, he's standing before Pharaoh. And if you read the account, I mean, he, they, they came to get him, and uh, it says that he changed his clothes and shaved, and he was standing before Pharaoh. Uh, I mean, I believe it was very quickly. From, from the jailhouse to standing before Pharaoh. You know, sometimes God has to put us in a place where we can't go anywhere. Because <laughs> Joseph was in a holding place for, for God's timing to take place. Um, don't ever give up on the Lord. Don't give up on his timing. His, he, he's trying to perfect something in your life. Um, so Joseph here is a great example of somebody that 
that was patient and bore, he bore the fruit of what God wanted him to do. Um, so the lesson here from Joseph is God has a Manasseh or an Ephraim for all of our toil and all of our affliction. Listen to Psalms chapter 1, verse 3. Uh, if you'd like to turn there, you can. I'll read it. You know the verse. It says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That is Joseph. That verse is Joseph through and through. Um, Joseph was like that tree planted by the rivers of water. Um, and again, I believe you can see it here in this verse. You have, you have the nutrients, which is the water. We need, we need the nutrients, the good ground. And it says that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. There is a season to bear fruit. Um, and we, were out, we were out in California in February and March. I didn't realize it, being from Alaska, that citrus trees, uh, orange and uh, lemon trees, bear fruit in the wintertime. I didn't know that. Um, but God has a season for, for those trees. He's got a season for these other trees. Um, God's timing is perfect. You know, don't expect to reap something immediately. Um, the, the lesson is we need the patience to wait on the Lord until that fruit is ripened. Um, you know, I ask this question, children. It could take patience with children, raising children. We have, we have the five children, and, you know, you don't always see the, the fruit right away. Um, but you, you raise them the way God tells you to, and you begin to see the fruit. And it, but it takes time, doesn't it? There's a season that you reap that fruit. And uh, teenagers, God has a fruit for you in his time. You know, teenagers, I was a teenager not too long ago. Uh, you want everything now. You want a car now. <laughs> you want your own house now. You want everything now, but you can't always have everything right when you want it. God has a specific season for your life. And be patient. Don't get ahead of God. Don't rush what God has to do in your life. You know, we, uh, our family is a good example. We, we went through our Bible college or our church, um, graduated that going on six years ago now. And we were just ready to go. We wanted to go immediately into deputation on the mission field. And God said, no, we need to do some more work. Um, there's still some perfecting to do. And there's still, there's still perfecting to do, by the way. But God had, to, God had to show me that, no, there's a time. There's preparations. You can't bypass preparation. Um, there is a time and a season for everything. So, so that's by way of introduction. Look back in Luke chapter 8, if you would. So, so we know that God has a fruit for each one of us to bear. We use the example of Joseph. Um, God didn't tell Joseph everything that was going to happen to him. Um, you know, if God would have told Joseph everything that he would have encountered before he stood before Pharaoh, um, I'm wondering what the results would have been. If God told us what he was going to do beforehand, what would happen? Many times we say, no way, we're not going down that road. Um, God has... Uh, he, has a, he has a plan for our lives. A lot of times it involves suffering, um, but it is to, to, to get you to where you need to be. Um, so we know God has fruit for us to bear. We have, um, we have fruit to bear to glorify God, but we also see in Luke chapter 8, uh, in verse 14, that we, we see three choking hazards of the Christian here in Luke chapter 8. And we'll go through these. It won't take too long. But I think these are very important, especially in the day we live. 
um, the Christian will encounter these. I believe Joseph encountered these things. Um, and you will encounter these things. I, I encounter these things. But these, these three things that can derail the Christian, that can choke you, choke the life out of you. And they are found here in verse 14. Let's read that again. And that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. Again, notice they bring no fruit to perfection. Um, don't be the Christian that gets halfway there. I don't want to get halfway through my life and then not finish the race God has set before me. I want to finish the course, um, uh, finish the race that God has set before me. Um, you know, many, many times it's how you finish the race that you're remembered or that you're gauged by. Um, don't, don't start out good and then just not finish. We need to keep going. We need to continue on, not let the things of this world choke us. But look at this first one here. It says, uh, it says that they are choked with what? Cares. Cares. Choked with the cares of this life. What are cares? Cares are the things that consume us and worry us. Uh, the cares of this life. Has anybody had any cares over the last year? <laughs> Has anybody had any anxiety over the last couple of years? Um, you know, there, I'm sure we could all, to some extent, agree to that. We've had some type of anxiety. But the, the truth about cares is cares distract us from fellowship with Christ. Um, when, we're, when we are over here worrying about this problem, worrying about this thing we cannot solve, we're not over here fellowshipping with Christ. We're not over here doing what God wants us to do. We're over here fretting and worrying, and we're not doing what God wants us to do. It distracts us from what is good, what is right. Um, that's the, that is what chokes the Christian um, many times in, in, in the Christian life, is the, the cares of this world. You know, in our nation today, we have, we're probably, you know, one of the, if not the most technical, you know, tech, techie nations in, in the world. We have all this, all this information. We have all these things to help us, but many times it leaves us stressed. Um, we have all this stuff going on, and it stresses us. You go in a bookstore anymore, and what is the, one of the biggest selling books is How Not to Be Stressed, and, uh, We've become a very stressed nation, I believe, because of it. We have cares. We have these things that, that choke us. Uh, flip over to Luke chapter 10. We're, just, we're almost there. Luke chapter 10 is the story of how Mary and Martha, uh, Jesus went to dinner with Mary and Martha. And uh, if you remember Martha's situation here, look in verse 41. Martha had a problem with care many times like we do. Martha here, this is in verse 41. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful, I mean, it's anxious, and troubled about many things. But look at verse 42, he says, But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Um, what was that part that Mary chose? She chose the fellowship at the feet of Jesus. Um, you know, there's some things that are good in life, but there are some things that are better than something. Uh, in this case, Mary would have been better off at the feet of Jesus. Yes, it's important to serve. Yes, it's important to be busy about these things. But Martha was getting anxious. And again, uh, get, being anxious is taking away from fellowship with Christ. 
And that is Mary's situation here, Martha's situation. Choose, we need to choose the things in life that will not be taken away from us in eternity. Um, let me ask you this question. Uh, pastor's preaching this morning a little bit about the return of Christ. Well, a lot about teaching in Sunday school. Uh, if Christ returned today, would you still be worried about whatever? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, you know, we all have things dealing with, you know, maybe property or house or um, cars, whatever, that sometimes we get worried about. All that would just go away, wouldn't it, when, at the return of Christ? That's the blessed hope, amen? amen. Not having to deal with insurance and all these things. Um, but we, we know we look forward to the return of Christ. Just look at, a, look at eternity in that light, that whatever you're worried about, you know, look to Christ. Uh, so how do we take care of these uh, how do we take care of these cares or anxieties in our life? We need to turn our eyes upon Jesus. One of my, one of my favorite songs, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, Look Full in His Wonderful Face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. You know, two verses here that can help us tonight with this area of care. That's 1 Peter 5.7. It says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. What do you do when you're Anxious when you're um, worried about something, take it to God in prayer. Take it to Him and cast it upon Him, because what He careth for you. Isn't that an amazing thought? God cares for us individually. He cares about our worries, our anxiety. Uh, second of all, Philippians four six. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. What if we followed that uh, formula every time we're worried? Um, Lord, I'm, I'm worried about this today. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And uh, as you turn to the Lord in prayer, those cares will fade away. They'll fade away. Um, so be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. So we see that the cares of this life will distract, will choke the Christian. Um, that is the first choking hazard of the Christian. Look back in, uh, look back in Luke chapter 8, uh, verse, verse 14. The second one we see here is what? And riches. The riches of this life. I think it's in the Gospel of Mark. It says the deceitfulness of riches. Um, there is a deceitfulness of riches, isn't there? Um, the love of money is the root of all evil. How many Christians have gotten the life choked out of them by riches of this life. Um, maybe got, got their eyes off on, on the wealth of this world. Uh, now we need wealth, we, or we need money to live. We need things, material things to live on this earth, but it is not to be our goal. It is not to be our life. Uh, our life. We're not to follow after it. Uh, listen to 1 Timothy 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. You know, where the Christian begins to get derailed with riches is when he becomes uh, discontent. Um, have you ever become discontent with what you had? Your car. I need the next model up. And, uh, you know, you look over your neighbor's fence and say, well, I wish I had that boat or that car. And it's when the Christian does not become content with what God has given us. We see that here. But godliness with contentment is great green. For he says... For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. 
But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You know, that, that person there that's been pierced through with many sorrows, that's the same thing we're seeing here in Luke being choked, literally the life being choked out of you because of the riches. You know, God never intended the Christian to live for anything other thing than him. We, are not, we were not made to glorify ourselves. Um, uh, in every one of us, there is something that has to be fulfilled, and that is God in our lives, to glorify God. So we see that the deceitfulness of riches is the temptations that follow and cause men to err from the faith. Um, how many Christians have, have, have erred from the faith because they became, uh, they became obsessed with riches? Um, don't let that be said of you or me. Uh, and then lastly, Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Uh, we've seen this verse come true so much recently. And uh, uh, when we left Alaska in February for deputation, um, number one, it was it was unknown for us, um, especially leaving this time, 2021. Um, the, the country is still kind of just recovering from a lot of things. And I'm thinking, Lord, is this what are you doing? This is uh, this is bad timing. And, uh, but God said, no, this is, this, is, this is the time. Everything came together. Uh, we were praying for the vehicles and everything to come together. And the Lord said, no, this is, this is your time. We, and of all places, we started in California. And uh, we literally found out um, a few weeks before we left, I believe, that California had just dropped their regulations for traveling. Um, but we had already planned to go to California because I believe the Lord wanted us to start there. And uh, so the Lord just began opening doors. But he, ta- he wants you to step out. He wants you to, to step out in faith in the direction that he's calling you to go. Um, he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Um, don't, I, and I believe Pastor mentioned, I think you stepped on this a little bit this morning. Don't let financial decision be your, your goal. Uh, if, if the Lord gives you a direction, you go in that direction. It's not, it's not about, is this going to work in my financial budget? Um, now you never make sure it's the Lord's, the Lord's will, or uh, or you will, you will have issues. Uh, but we've seen this come true in our lives that God takes care of His people. He takes care of His people when they are following Him in His will. Uh, so we also see the riches of this life will distract or choke the Christian. But look back in Luke chapter eight. We'll look at this last one quickly. The last thing that can choke the Christian we see here is the pleasures of this life pleasures of this life. Um, in the Gospel of Mark, it says, the lusts of other things entering in. You think about that. Uh, and that's, that's dealing with the same parable there uh, of the pleasures. Um, it says, the lusts of other things entering in. Is there something other than love for God creeping into your life? Um, another a, a pleasure that you have, maybe it's not a wrong pleasure, we know that there, there are pleasures in this life that are evil. Uh, they should be abstained from the Christian. But there's also, there's also pleasures that God has given us to enjoy. 
Uh, he gives us things to enjoy while we're here on this earth. But those things should never take place of God's will in your life. Uh, you know, as a uh, growing up in Alaska, I loved snow machining. Um, I, I had a snow machine from a very young age. Uh, when I got older, somebody bought me uh, a brand new snow machine, a very nice one. Uh, you could go go to the top of the mountains with it. Had a long track, and I loved riding that snow machine. I loved getting it, getting on it and go riding. But it almost became something that was creeping into my life, a pleasure that I was that was coming into my life that was going to choke me, if you understand. And uh, the Lord had to do some things in my life to, to get my attention. I was up on the mountain one day and looked below me, and this avalanche started out and just scared me half to death. And But God was just, I think, just shooting over the bow, <laughs> saying, you need to make sure your eyes don't get off on this and, uh, and what, I, what I have you to do. But any pleasure in life, whether it's good or bad, um, uh, can choke you as a Christian. Um, but don't let those things that God has given us to enjoy take place of what his, his will for your life is. Um, Demas. How many of you remember Demas in the Bible? What is the sad commentary of Demas? Uh, in, in 2 Timothy 4.10, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Um, how many Christians can it be said of, says, he's forsaken me because he loved this present world. Uh, I don't want that ever be said of me. Um, don't let that be said of you. Uh, you know, he was doing good, but he forsook all of it uh, for this present world. Again, this, this present world is going to fade away. It's going it's it's to fall away. Don't give your life for something that's temporal, that's going to that's fade away, it's going to burn up. Um, uh, go, go to Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll finish there. This has been my life verse for many years, uh, probably since I was a teenager or younger. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Many of you could quote it, I'm sure. Um, we know that the... the the author Penman here was dealing with different things as in the, the hall of faith in the chapter before. But he says in verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking where? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus Christ was a finisher. He finished what he started out to do. Um, we need to be a finisher. We, need, we don't need to get halfway down our race and give up. Or, or let those sins, those weights and sins, take us off the track. Uh, take us off the track. One more thing as you look at verse 1. You know, many times we, you know, I've heard it said the witness is there. Um, we also are compassed with so great a cloud of witnesses. Uh, I know that could be dealing with some of the, the men and women mentioned in chapter 11 in the, in the Hall of Faith there. Uh, but notice he says, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. You know, I think this is alluding to each one of us. We currently have a, a cloud of witnesses around us, your family, your coworkers, uh, the world around you every day. You are surrounded by witnesses that are watching what you're going to do. Are you going to fail? Um, you know, the world, especially in the day we live in, is just waiting for the Christian to fail. 
and they're, rate, wait, rate, they're just right there ready to jump on you. And they say, see, the Christian failed. Don't let the, these three things, the choking hazards of the Christian, um, derail you um, as the Christian. Finish your race. What is it that God has for you to do? Uh, you say, well, it's, it's hard to see from where I'm standing. Uh, I'm sure Joseph said that a few times uh, from the prison and uh, as, a, as a slave there in Egypt. But overnight, God had him standing before Pharaoh, and his will was being done. Um, we just have to be patient. We have to, we have to be patient and wait upon the Lord, uh, and he will strengthen our heart. Mm-hmm.